why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon. We are in the final hour of the scheduled show. Here we go. Something interesting just saw about our audio. I think we finally figured out why some of our audio issues are glaring up. I, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, if that ends up being the actual case, but we'll cross that bridge later. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can join us on the Blue Frame Technology uh, Hoopsville hotline. No, sorry. Wow, I'm tired. Um, let me try that one again. So email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Tweet us at d3hoopsville, hashtag hoopsville. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. You can also join us on YouTube at youtube.com slash hoopsville. We're simulcasting the show. Uh, Blazer Bobcat, making sure we saw the final score. Randolph making Guilford. Randolph making held on. Um, thank you, sir, for at least helping us out with that. Double checking. Huh. Looks like our... YouTube one actually ended after eight, or our Facebook one ended after eight hours. <laughs> you learn something new, everybody. I guess eight hours is the max that it would allow us to send stuff on Facebook. And I'm not just going to, I'm just not going to jump through the hoops right now to try and get it up just for the last hour of free for all here. Uh, so there you go. So we, it's a happy hour. A tradition on this show is we just open things up. We've unfortunately done that for two hours before, which was insanity. A 12 hour show turned into 13 and a half, 14 we're just not that crazy. Uh, but we have opened up the show for anybody who wants to join in um, that we've invited. I should point out that that, that we've invited. Um, and I already see one in there. So give me a second. Uh, Ryan Scott is in there. I'm just trying to finagle this the setup here to bring Ryan into the show. I'm going to have to clean up the shot a little bit here. But there's Mr. Ryan Scott. Sir, you've caught up to the show live, though I know you haven't listened to the whole show live yet. <laughs> No, I I just I paused it when you sent out the bat signal to come on in here, but I was I just I, finished I think the committee the committee chairs. I just got through that interview. Yeah, so I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I bet I know what he's doing. I bet he's working his way through uh the committee stuff and 
I bet if I send out a signal now, he'll realize I'm ready to go. And yep, there he is. Yeah. So no, I, we were what, on the same page. How appropriate is that? That's what I was waiting for. That is awesome. Um, well, as we wait for others that maybe join us, and honestly, I don't know. I, I really don't know who else might or might not be joining us here. Um, you got a chance to hear the committee. I, I, I haven't gotten a lot of feedback. I saw some stuff from D3 Bubble Watch who tweeted out some reactions to the interview. Um, and I heard some, I thought I reaction somewhere else. I don't remember now. I'm blanking. Um, your, your thoughts. I, I thought there were a couple of interesting takeaways from my conversation with Megan and, and Mike. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing that is, it's not a lot new that we didn't know, but that they continue, uh, this tradition the last few years of being forthright and transparent about how this process works. Cause certainly, you know, a decade ago or more, that was uh, not how things worked. No. Um, you know, we were we were uh, we were amazed at one point one year the the committee chair told us who the last team in was, and yes. that was like a groundbreaking right. uh, moment of of transparency. And so, um, the one thing that you know, I tweeted out that I feel bad that I do this behind because I wasn't able to send you one extra question. The yeah, one thing, if you do talk to any was. of them again in the future at least on the men's side, there is a chance that either the WIAC or the OAC could have three teams that are in that top 16 when the criteria all works out and whether they would be willing to have three teams from the same conference host a first weekend, but that just seems very unlikely to me. No, I, but I, I'm, I'm just curious how closely they want to stick to that. Um, and, and in those particular cases, the WIAC or the OAC geography is not a huge issue there. You know, I more teams carefully... in Ohio, the better asked about that because I, I know there's been talk in the past on committees of trying to announce who the eight or top 16 are. I didn't want to put them on the spot and say, will you be doing that? Because I'm not sure their plans, but furthermore, I realized, and I think their answer told you a lot. Listen, we know who the top teams are. We believe that who we give hosts are tells you who the top teams are, except when geography or other things play a factor and I think yeah. what they're trying to tell you there, and they maybe they're already starting to see it themselves, is listen, we might have a bunch of teams that are all really good based on the criteria that can't all host for whatever reason. And it's going to happen. Because listen, let's be honest, they're going to have to find some spots to host games to make this bracket work. We all know that's how that works out. So usually top 16 is great, but maybe two, three, or even four of them are not teams that would normally host if everything was even. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing is we just don't have very many years like this where you've got Oshkosh, Platteville and lacrosse who are all, you know, going to be amongst the top eight probably. And when we, when we finish this all out um, and so whether you're going to give three to one conference is, is a bit scary, but even that shows the progress, right? Because five or 10 years ago, it was pretty solid that every region got a host, no matter whether they deserved it or not. Right. And, and that's not been the case the last few years. I think they're really trying to reward the best resumes across the board and not just regionalize it. It's obviously easier to do now with 10 because it's, you know, with 10 regions, there's going to be some that are weak one year that just don't meet the criteria. But I'm curious how far down that line you're going to go, because I guarantee that they'll get phone calls if three teams from one conference host the first weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the thing I think I found the most interesting and there, there were several parts I found interesting. One, the unfortunateness on the women's side that they didn't truly appreciate what the men were going to do and didn't get on the same page fast enough so that their rankings won't come out on Tuesday either, despite their best efforts. 
know, again, uh, got to make sure everyone's talking a little bit more and maybe not when you think you need to be talking, uh, but sooner than that. And and I really would love to talk to liaisons about how much liaisons are talking to one another about what's going on. Because some of this, I feel it could be solved if the liaisons were, were chatty more often, but maybe I'm wrong. But what I what I took away that I found interesting was we, we keep getting into this conversation. And granted, it's been two years. I fully appreciate that. Louis McClary pointed that out. So who knows what we're going to get this year. But we're getting into the worry that a team who's got nine or ten losses and a gaudy SOS makes the NCAA tournament over a team with three losses and a poor SOS. Not that conversation, but when Mike and Meg and started talking about quality wins, and I asked the question, well, what about the losses? There's no metric in our system. The way the system's set up, it rewards the wins. Results versus regionally ranked opponents, you're talking about results against the top of each region, and so the the a bad loss or a tough loss, depending on what person's metric, as Mike fairly pointed out, is not measured there because we don't have results versus everybody, technically. I I don't know that that plays in as much when we're talking about selection, simply because it's really only going to be when you're really getting down to the to the very end, right? If you've got a team that's only got two or three regionally ranked games that you're considering. And maybe they've got three, what you would call bad losses that would reflect on that. But how often does it actually happen? Like for the most part, you might say, you know, a team has five regionally ranked opponents and maybe they've got one or two bad losses on the schedule, but that's going to be offset by the, the games they won. No, you know, only- it's, it's really only down at the end where you would say, oh, this loss is, is more harmful than the other win is good, right? Like, I just don't think that happens until you get very far down well, but my list. concern was that a, a team with only a handful of losses and a poor SOS because their schedule is their conference, let's say, takes up 20 of their games. Um, they're isolated a bit, so they can't play a lot of other games uh, to to boost that resume, though they could certainly and I don't I don't have anybody in particular in mind. But let's say they played five games against division threes, they played the best that they could. They don't get they get maybe one or two games against regionally ranked opponents. So it's just I'm creating a scenario here. Nothing it's nothing's Per, you know, no specific team in mind. They're not, they're, they're getting no reward for their win-loss percentage because their SOS is poor and they don't have a lot of results versus regionally ranked opponents, but nothing else of the resume speaks. While another team could be 16 and 10, have a bunch of regionally ranked opponents. And so you get to weigh that information, but let's say they have two or three losses, especially this year, against sub 500 teams they're more likely to get into the tournament despite those losses than the team that didn't suffer those losses against subpar teams went out and beat just about everybody on their schedule and because they don't have a great sos and they don't have a metric that can quantify their quality wins they're not rewarded but the team who can't get those quality losses measured is gets in ahead of it. I don't know if I'm saying get, that right, but well, that's where I was trying I, I to go guess, at it. I guess a team that's 16 and 10, obviously they're going to have more losses than you want them to have, but they're not going to even get considered unless they've got some impressive wins. Right, right like but that's the thing is they're being considered because of the impressive wins. What if they have two losses on that resume that just absolutely stink 
to high heaven. Well, and that's what I'm saying, though, is I think for the most part, that there just aren't many oper- uh, situations in which those losses would outweigh whatever wins are being considered. I just don't think that happens very often. I, th- I think it can happen. And I think there may be some teams that, you know, are are left out because of it. I'm just not sure that it's a huge enough problem that it 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 comes into play that often. Um, and I do think this year, I, I don't know that we're going to have too many of those teams with the low win percentage, high SOS. Um, you know, looking in the power conferences where the SOSs are high, you've got a real division between the top and the bottom. You know, um, I, I'm thinking of like a team like Rochester. They're not going to, they're, they're not, they haven't won enough games to be considered, right? They're one of those teams that might have been in that spot where, um, you know, that a 650 SOS or whatever might might get some attention, but they've lost too many games, I think. I'm, I'm not sure they're going to have that resume. Right, I, don't I think, think the one that we've seen there. the most comes out of the WIAC, and what was the last time we had one that came way off the, the what was it, Oshkosh? Well, and they're, and they're split too, right? That that the Eau Claire, Whitewater, Stout teams that might be that in that position aren't this year. They're, they're not winning enough games. No, and that's that, true. We, we may not be as big a factor. The one I bring up, and Fred Rogan kind of mentioned it in his chat, by the way, if you get a, a chance, that is worth the segment to listen to they're all good worth listening to i should have said i'll get to him eventually yeah um but he he even he points it out we might be looking at a really good skyac those there could be a lot of good teams in that conference that could do could make decent and if not hard-earned runs in the ncaa tournament but we might only get one because the metrics say we should leave them out while reward somebody else who's who who somehow was able to put together a quality schedule and COVID didn't shatter it. Well, and this is, this has always been the issue for those conferences that really are balanced, right? Yeah. You know, if you're taking five losses in conference, it's, it's unlikely you're going to get an at large spot, but there are, there are leagues some years in which that's really good Yeah, because true. of how competitive they are. And, and we just, we really don't have the metric, especially with the sky act because they don't have the same non-conference D3 opponents, you know, to know, like, we can tell they're all very evenly matched, but are they evenly matched at like 40th best in the country? Are they evenly matched in the top 10? You know, like, we just don't know where that is. And that just, that becomes a really difficult thing to just to guess at. Yeah, no, fair point. I I think it's going to be interesting. I also found it interesting for them to say, and I get where they're coming from, so I'm not knocking this, um, but to hear them say flat out, we have... We're going to have to stick the criteria. We can't sit here and go, okay, they lost two games that would have improved their non-conference SOS in conference play because of COVID. And so, no, we're going to have to go with a non-conference SOS. We're going to have to go with what we're seeing as the numbers. It sucks. But I get where they're coming from because if they open up that door and start walking down that path, there's no end. And and right. I can, can I appreciate that? It sucks. I yeah. appreciate it though. Well, and you, you know, then you start saying, well, they played six games without their best scorer. You know, how, how do we right. evaluate that's those what Mike started saying, right. And that's, I mean, that that's right back to the nineties, right? I mean, that's how the committee worked in the nineties that they looked at the teams and they gave the ones they liked every opportunity to, to, Oh, they, they were justify sick that weekend. Let me, let's, let's, let's put them in the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and I appreciate that Mike, Says and and what I really appreciate is that they took those questions and had really uh, interesting and and quality answers to it versus Hemming and Hahn. I mean, we and I think another 
really cool thing is having them together. Why we never thought of that sooner, I don't know. But having them together to hear them back and forth about different things well, was fascinating too. We didn't dive didn't do into things, the weighted measure. What? They didn't do things the same way for a long time. You couldn't well, have had them together because they would give different answers. And it would have probably made for a longer <laughs> conversation. You're absolutely right. Good point. Um, I, I didn't ask about the weighted measure. Something I do want to talk to Mike Shower about maybe closer to the end of this is, do we really still need the, the weight in the men's basketball metric? Because more and more who used it have dropped it. Um, I think men's basketball and maybe one other sport, and I couldn't even tell you who it is, is still using it. might be volleyball. Uh, nobody else is using that metric anymore. Nobody's using the weight of, what is it, 0. 0.07 for a, what is it, 0. 0.07 for a road game, 0. 0.03 for a home game or something. Or one point three, or right, yeah. Anyway, I don't, I don't know the numbers, but it yeah, is weighted whether they're home or away. But I do wonder if that's still a necessary thing, and that could change SOS conversations. Let's be honest. And, and as we've established, weighted incorrectly. So that's <laughs> well, I don't even open up that Pandora's box because it makes my head hurt because I don't truly appreciate <laughs> what does or doesn't work because I also think it's based on yeah. individual schedules. But agreed. There is an element of that. By the way, James Wagner has told us he will join us on this show. We look forward to, to having him. Well, here. and I may have to pop out at some point. We've got bedtime coming at some point here. I'm soon, sorry. So. It's the marathon. You let bedtime uh, be handled by somebody else. <laughs> Who's not here right now. So <laughs> that was poor planning. I kid. Uh, my family has been doing wonders to balance around me doing this show. So I appreciate it. Tucker, if no one heard in Dave Hickson's interview while we were dealing with some weird technical glitches that we worked out my our puppy was running a storm up on the roof uh, of this of this room so i i will uh hopefully every <laughs> everybody uh didn't hear that too much that cracked me up hey um randolph macon survived against guilford to some degree it kind of validates the argument you were making on monday yeah i mean guilford's always a really great defensive team That's and true. they they also play physical and big which is gonna be randolph macon's weakness right if they have it they're, they're just not that big agreed and so they have to rely on the finesse and the discipline and and you know not making mistakes in in ways that i think both lynchburg and guilford are just not the better matchups in that league for them and so those are going to be more challenging games and um, i think also the i mean there's a there's got to be a psychological weight with the the just the the churn that they put out game in and game out like they're focused and dialed in at a level that you don't see that often and just that concentration there's got to be some letdowns on occasion and yeah obviously against a good team like this i mean they seem to be rebounding pretty well i didn't take a huge look at the box score um but you know it's it's one of those things you get the win and you move on especially right. at this point of the year uh, I was just checking scoreboards. By the way, Mary Hart and Baylor Letourneau game has been postponed. I don't know if it's due to weather. I saw it. A headline. It got moved to Saturday, I think. Here it is. Uh, yeah, the forecast. So they did. They moved it to, oh, Monday. Or Monday. That's right, because they already had a game Saturday. Yeah. So um, I'm just going through scores that we didn't have updates on, mainly because we're trying desperately to stick with them. Uh, with I all these changing schedules. The other Texas. one that was jumped out is uh, ETBU. Uh, they defeated um, Howard Payne tonight, 73-48. So ETBU gets a big win there. Uh, otherwise, not a lot of women's scores that jump out of me tonight. Um, kind of a quiet night. St. Joseph's of Maine. Oh, 
Emmanuel and St. Joseph's of Maine. What am I talking about? That game went overtime, and Emmanuel gets the win 82-80. That's a good one. Um, those are two teams that know each other real well. In men's basketball, obviously Randolph-Macon won. Yeshiva is leading St. Lawrence, last I checked. Uh, Lynchburg's losing to Ferrum right now. That's midway through the second half. Um, Calvin's all over at Kalamazoo. Trying to see if anything else jumps out at me, but nothing really else is. Uh, Concordia, Chicago keeps its winning ways over Aurora. By the way, how about that win over Illinois Wesleyan? I'll have to admit when I voted, I, I dropped Illinois Wesleyan hard, not because they lost in the CCIW, but they lost a game they absolutely should have won, especially coming off of a loss in the CCIW. Yeah, I mean, that... I wrote it in, in the column, right? I mean, there's been a rough week. That's a lot of games. Um, and I don't know if it was in the column, but Ron, when I talked to him, talked about just the mental, the mental fatigue of going through there and being able to stay focused. And I mean, clearly they weren't playing at their best and the rebounding was the big thing. Um, you know, the, the focus that Concordia had to get to the basket with those guys and use their speed and the stamina and, I mean, it looked a lot like the kind of effort that Illinois Wesleyan put out beating Yeshiva, right? I mean, it's a different style and a different kind of play, but those guys were just on top of it in a way that that Illinois Wesleyan wasn't able to match. Yeah, good um, point. No, that's and a- you, you got a roster full of 6'3 athletic guys who could jump. I mean, that's hard. They don't have the same size, but I mean, that that's sure. a tough matchup for anybody to play against. That's a good point. Um, <clears throat> that's a good point. I didn't consider it that way. Uh, I know we'll get more of your take on uh, Monday's show um, as you dive in, but anything jump out at you on the men's top 25? I don't think so, other than the relative ease with which Oshkosh won that game. Yeah, right. I mean, they they were in control from the beginning. Now, obviously, Platteville missed every three they took in the first half, so that that adds to the difference. 0 for 12 does not help. Um, it really does seem like Oshkosh has their number in terms of how to play, how to stop them, how to push them out of what they want to do. Um, you know, uh, yeah, and this is a this is a Platteville team that has had some trouble in March, um, getting focused when with some of these biggest games. And so, um, I think this is more the evidence, right, that we're balancing as we do a top twenty-five. Is you have a team that's very consistent, like Platteville, right, and you're going to get the same kind of effort out of them game in and game out. Um, and they're going to win most of them. But when it comes to some of these really big games, you know, there's a team like Oshkosh, which might take a couple of extra losses because they're a little more up and down. But when they hit the big games, they tend to come through. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is what we're balancing when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to the top 25. You know, am oh, I am point. I ranking the team that is more likely to be, to be consistent or am I ranking the team that on one good night is going to be better than anybody else? Yeah, no, great point. Um it's funny you take Oshkosh off Platteville's uh, schedule and they're still undefeated. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's an interesting t- uh, take. Uh, I, I, by the way, I don't think I said it on air, but I, I kind of followed what you were saying about Marietta and, and moved them way up my poll. <laughs> um, well, because you made a valid point. You made a point that, yeah, listen, they may not winning. be your cup of tea, per se. That's my wording but they're getting it done. They're still winning. They're still doing what others aren't doing. And that's a good point. They are. Um, and, mean, and some it's degree the you same. can make that argument with Yeshiva and St. Joe and the rest too, but uh, 
Marietta's playing certainly a different level of competition. And I think there, there are different styles, but I think it's the kind of team that's set up a lot like Randolph-Macon. And obviously you take that Macon game off Marietta's schedule. That's the, <laughs> that's the one they lost. And so, but, but they're, they're maybe going to struggle a little bit against a team with, with real size. Um, and they can certainly, you know, play themselves out of games with, with, you know, some bad shots here and there and that kind of thing, but they're consistent. Yeah. Um, and they're able to pick up where, when, when they have some weak halves, they're, they're, <laughs> they rarely have two bad halves as we, we say that. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that a lot like making you, you may not pick them straight up in one game against everybody, but in most games, you know, they're, they're the team you have the most confidence in. Um, yeah, no, you got a good take on that. Hey, I, I would just random thought, I know you're working on a pretty cool around the nation story. Did you want to tease it or is it still too much of a work that you don't want to get ahead of it too far? Well, yeah, I don't want to jinx anything. Okay. So then we won't, um, then we won't. Yeah. Um, by the way, I loved your, um, your minority coaches story. Um, I don't know if we did any justice to it in terms of, of building on it today, though. We, I enjoyed the conversation we had. I assume you've heard it. Um, yeah. That's obviously a much larger conversation to be had. I asked this kind of maybe not fully knowing where you were coming from to start with and where you are now, but what's what's your take on minority coaching hires in Division Three in general? What what's your personal take on it? Um, I, I do think that it's a more difficult issue at our level simply because we don't have the majority of athletes who are non-white. Every other division does, right? And so you've got a lot of schools who, and essentially their campus is all white, yeah, right? If it, we, you know, and um, for some of the more elite schools, because of previous <laughs> inequities, their alumni base and their contacts are largely white, you know? And, and th these are sea changes that take, I would say, a bit more courage for people to go out on a limb. Right. And not that that's any excuse. <laughs> I think it just is, is a, a, a bigger, thicker wall that has to get broken down. Um, and there need to be more people who are, who are willing to make statement hires, I think, you know, and we don't like to talk about it that way. I think it's some of the same conversations that are happening uh, we have the Supreme Court vacancy right now, right? Yeah. And the president said, I want to pick a black woman. And there's conversations of, well, shouldn't we broaden this scope? And and what is the place of representation? Um, I think you meant they mentioned it in the in the conversation. The Supreme Court's considering how colleges are allowed to consider race in applications. Yes. Right? And and that's going to be a difficult conversation. Um, but it just comes down to the fact of you know, is, is race and the perspective that, um, people come from diverse places bring to a campus or to a team or to a staff matter, um, over maybe some of the other metrics we might, we might use to judge them. I liked right? how coach so, Cam, sorry, you said she wanted to make sure she had a colorful team and I know exactly what she's trying to say. And she means yeah. that across all possibilities, I appreciate that from a from a mentor slash um I don't know the right word, but an individual who's molding these young men and women 
into their lives. If she's trying to make sure that their world is as diverse and as, as rounded as possible, that's hats off to that mentality. Um, but I can't imagine being in any of their shoes or trying to get these jobs. It's, and I don't think we got it out of them, but coach Jason either said it with you or he said it with me about Jason Harris at mass Boston, about also the worry of these coaches being hired strictly just for numbers and thus setting them up for failure in terms of success as a head coach and thus to be fired. And, uh, and then, and you look at it and go, well, that didn't work. And the whole, you know, puts everything back a few steps. Right. And I mean, and that, that comes in, you have to, as those coaches also have to do their due diligence. What situation am I walking into? Right. Why True. does this person want to interview me? Am, am I willing to take a bad or a lesser job because it's available or right. wait longer to get the opportunity that I might not have. I mean, I just think about it personally, and I want to make sure I say it because we're on here. I've sat on enough committees where it was just all of us white guys. And I can say, yes, I have an opinion, but my opinion's not going to be that different or my perspective is not going to be that different from every other white guy sitting around this table. And maybe this committee would be better off if I wasn't here and somebody who had a different perspective was, you know, and, and I personally think that that's an important thing in college admissions, in putting together a, a staff at any job you work at. You want people who are going to be able to have different perspectives and different angles. So that's not just the same things coming up all the time. Um, and, and I do think you have to move beyond maybe some of the traditional metrics that we have in the past. Yeah, you always have to a, select people. Yeah. You always have a fascinating perspective and I always appreciate it. I, uh, I just went through because of my training with MLB every year, you got to go through certain training modules and just went through one about diversity, harassment. I mean, you name it. We had about four. <laughs> we had to go through. They had a lot, a little bit of crossover, like a, a a Venn diagram, but also had their own uniquenesses. And one of the points was, hey, I can't wait to work on this project with so and so and so and so. I can't wait. We we're a great team. We we can do good work. We all went to the same sorority together. Oh wait, you all might be <laughs> yeah. of different backgrounds, but you all went to the same sorority, which means you probably all have the same perspective. It might be better if you actually brought in somebody else instead. And yeah. and it. And it stuck with me in that thinking like, oh, and trust me, I try and do it on the show. I don't do it well. Um, I'm still trying to do it better. But for example, that panel, I had one women's coach. I said it on air. I couldn't find a lot of others. She said it on air. She's seen two other African-Americans in her coaching nine years on the other sideline or on the other bench. And they've both been men. So, so as much as I'm trying, there's also not a lot of options out there. And so there's there's got to be a way of, of improving it. But I want to see, you know, I try and make sure I get a women's voice on every show, unfortunately. And I don't mean a team, I mean a woman. And that always does, isn't successful. I'm trying harder and harder to get minority voices on the show, but that's not always as easy. So that it isn't the same voice, as you said, it's all the white guys in the room. Um, and I'm aware right, of that even... the women's top 25 panel, by the way. I'm well aware I need to get a woman on there somehow. But all the ones I know who, who know this stuff are voting and I'm not going to put them in that situation either. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's, that's, you mentioned it, the double issue in women's basketball until women have an equal chance to coach men, there's going to be an inequity on the other side, right? Cause right. you've got men and women who are considered viable candidates for women's teams and you're cutting out half of your candidate pool on the men's side because we, we don't have women getting hired for those positions. Right. And so like you can even look down our top 25, how many of those teams are coached by men? You know, and it's a lot. 
And not that that's necessarily bad. I don't think, you know, men shouldn't be coaching women, but, you know, we have to keep admitting the inequity that women are rarely, if ever considered for, uh, I would love to see a woman coaching a men's team in division three. I think it would work wonderfully. And I think there are a lot of good candidates out there, but they also, I mean, coaching is hard enough to have the extra layer of (laughs) of struggle that you have to go through to be the pioneer in that, in that sense. Um, No, you're right. But I mean, come on. well, what, what happened? Didn't we just see in the end, didn't, didn't Becky Hammond just take a WNBA job over trying to break through in the NBA? I think yeah, that I don't just know if happened, she, what it? she took it over, but uh, the conversation was about the fact that she took that job without quote unquote, I'm using this term, waiting for that job. Everyone thinks is coming in the NBA. Well, and the counterpoint how was, long, well, how much longer does she have to gonna, wait? Right. How long are you going to get passed over for that? Right. Right. Like, and you know, you're and, under uh, Popovich. And you're considered one yes. of the best assistants in the NBA. Well, at some point, forgive the term, but blank or get off the pot. Not her. I mean, right. these other teams. Yeah. And so, you know, no, absolutely. And so she took that woman's job because maybe that's the way she can maybe get the job she needs or whatever. Who knows? But she had to take it. Uh, now they're right. talking about somebody else who might be up for a men's. I have forgotten the name. Um, and of course, we should remember former MIT women's head coach is now is still i believe at memphis as an assistant head coach so those opportunities are are growing i i just would i i think it'd be i think it'd work wonders in division three uh we've already seen it kind of happen in division three in other sports we're, we're taught by women in other i mean i i sometimes yeah. learn the best about well, my game of soccer from a woman well and there's also a different you know nobody's gonna say dixie jeffers wouldn't been a great coach of a men's basketball team but she's also really committed to being a leader of women, right? Like that was an important thing for her, you know, and correct. Just hopefully the opportunities are there for people. It's got to be the right right? person. It doesn't have to be a a woman who just takes it. It's got to be the right one who wants to do it. Cause you're right. There's some women who just want to be in women's basketball because they want to be the leader of women and, and God bless them for that. Um, Right. Anyway, we just need to make sure that we've got opportunities across the board for people who haven't been traditionally considered for these roles. And I think what's great is that coaches getting these opportunities are succeeding. And that's only going to open the door wider to, to increase the candidate pool. Um, and, the only thing and, I didn't get to them with about, and this is why I've really, I feel like I'd love to do a longer kind of thing with this topic, but it's for another day. And, and Larry Anderson and Gary Stewart and all of them know my thinking on that. But one of the things I also wanted to ask him was, how do you react to a school like Amherst who not only decides they're going to hire an African-American men's basketball coach, but that's the fourth African-American hire in four straight openings. I'm not knocking that, but at what point do you sit there worried about it? Now it's not just that you're hiring the best candidate. You're just hiring us to hire us. And what does that really mean for, and it gets back to that. If they don't succeed, they're going to get fired and that didn't work mentality but i appreciate that tufts and bowden and them followed up with yeah we want african-american coaches here too i think that's a false dichotomy at least at a a place like amherst who is going to get possibly i just know it was going up they're they're not going to get substandard applicants right oh that's true (laughs) right like that might be that might be true at some little school that pays crappy and they just want to increase their diversity there might be genuine token hires fair point fair point places where you're going to get the best applicants, you know, that 
you're not going to end up with someone substandard, you know, that you could probably pick any of Amherst's final 20 and they would be wonderful coaches at Amherst. You know, that's, that's a great point. That's not really an issue there. Yeah, that's a great point. Hey, I don't know how much time you've got. Uh, at least just want to get your take on uh, we're heading into the final month here. I mean, three and a half weeks. We're going to have brackets on the table. We're going to be talking about what? Two weeks. The 18th is our first conference tournament game. Right. But I, I meant, I'm sorry, NCAA tournament was three and okay. a half weeks. Well, brackets. you're right. Conference <laughs> yes, tournament yes. in two weeks. No, you're right. Yeah, no, no, no. We're on the, we're speaking the same language, just using different terms. Um, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a furious finish because there's some teams who are cramming in games as best they can because of ones they want to make up or conference tournaments or whatever the case may be. Just what, what, what are you expecting? What are you looking at? What are you trying to figure out, et cetera, as we take this turn into February? Well, one of the things is, is where the schedules are sort of separating teams for us. Um, we're starting to see this week, some of those losses to teams that are maybe in our 20 to 40 area, right? Like, RPI lost yesterday or the day before Eastern just lost. These are teams that were kind of sort of on the cusp of us trying to figure out, are they, you know, a top 25 worthy team? Are they not? And I think we're starting to see as we get into the thick of this and, you know, you're playing every other day for a couple of weeks and, and um, the teams are beginning to separate themselves. Um, and so we're, we're, I, at least I'm feeling like we're, we're starting to, to coalesce around, who the, the best teams are, and and then uh, it just waits to see who's going to have an off night on the first round of the tournament, right? <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling we're walking our way, one, to some interesting conference tournaments, which will make selections a pain in the rear end. But I also think we're walking towards, listen, we were really excited about the 2019-2020 bracket in men's basketball and even in women's because of the more parity, more balance, more good teams, better competition, the games are going to be outstanding. I don't know what to make of it in terms of, of metrics like best teams and, and balanced yet. we got to see the bracket. But I think we got a lot of teams that we aren't appreciating they're as good as they are, or there's going to be a team, as you say, hits a bad night, and, and you can't have a bad night in the tournament. And these are great. These, I think the tournament's going to be wide open, even on the women's side to some degree. I think it's going to be wide open. We could have an absolutely bonkers remaining 16 and who knows what the final four re results in. We may not have, Hey, we could have all the favorites. We could have none of them. I, I think it's going to be a fun little run here at the end. And to quote Louise McCleary or paraphraser, we haven't had a title in two years. And so I think there's even more excitement and even more anticipation for this tournament because we haven't been able to enjoy it. And, and we kind of got used to just, the standard operating procedure as it were. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe that it's been so long. <laughs> um, and, and I think that we're going to see two really good tournaments. Um, I think the teams overall are better because of this extra year that so many players have gotten. Um, I think they're deeper. Um, and you know, that we're going to have battle tested teams. We, we don't have a lot of walkovers that exist anymore. Right. There's there's very few conferences that you would say the team coming out of there is is not going to be on a competitive level with whoever they get matched up with. Right. There's very, very few. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious if you had to if you had to pick one one team to ride right now through the end of the tournament. The one you think is most likely to win this thing, 
today and February 3rd. February 3rd. On men's side? Oh, that's a good question. I, I, I'd probably ride Randolph Macon. I, I think, I think Buzz Anthony is an X factor that is hard to account for. And I don't mean his scoring and his distribution and de- the way he helps prepare that team is like an extra coach. And there's something about that and that, and that interest, by the way, Wags is jumping in on the call here. Um, that interest by him, I think he's jumping in, um, to make sure that things go well. I think that's a factor we can't account for. And I think that makes it fascinating to see how good um, they could end up being as a result. So if I, if I, if, if I had to be forced into a choice right now, who to ride for the men's basketball side of things and, and, and win it out, uh, I'd have, to, I'd probably have to ride Randolph Macon right now. Ooh, who would you take? Uh, I, I think this probably would have been my answer the, the entire year. I think if you're giving me one game, I, I think I'm going to take Oshkosh over anybody for, for it's one good game. choice. Um, I think their ceiling is higher than anybody else's and they've certainly proven that they can, they can buckle down and play six games in a row that are, are top quality. Uh, I know it's a different group of guys, but I think that carries over quite a bit. I like I, that choice. Yeah. You know, it's, they're coming out of a difficult spot and (laughs) anything can happen, but you know, if you're picking one, uh, I think that's where I I've just felt like talent wise, they're the best team in the country, whether they can be consistent enough and show up every night for six games, who knows? That's a, that's a, that's an intriguing choice. I kind of like, I kind of dig it. Hey, I don't know if you were paying attention. If you had to, have you had to pick one men's team right now to ride to the championship? Who would you be? Who, whose horse would you climb on? Randolph Macon. Would you say? Randolph Macon. Yeah, Macon. Oh, I feel better. It's two one then. Swarthmore. Hmm. Swarthmore two maybe. Really? Yeah. Listen, ten point win over Hopkins after dropping two straight is pretty good, but they dropped two straight. I know they were without D'Angelo. That means they got nothing else though, right? It's all about getting hot, getting hot at the right time, and staying healthy. They're not just being injuries; I mean, COVID. No, that's true. Uh, mm-hmm. How that plays out. Oh, oh yeah. I'm hoping more, so, more likely, most teams have gotten the bug, and so they're off the 90 day clock, and so <laughs> we don't have to worry about it. You know, it's it's funny. You see, you see professional sporting leagues stop testing. Have we heard about COVID in the NFL last three weeks? No, we haven't. Have we heard about it in the NHL? No. But 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 I would argue it's not that. Well, no, because the Great Eight just got dinged. He's not coming to the All Star game. They're not stopping testing. No, they're not no, stopping. The testing. NFL did. <laughs> the, NFL, the NFL did. I guarantee the NFL did. Uh, unless you're unless you are symptomatic, you are not getting tested in the NFL. Which one who works in a professional league? It's not always cut and dry that way. What I think happened is you got so many who ended up positive mm-hmm. that they're no longer in the testing protocol because they're in that 90-day window now. This is true. This is true. And you ran it through so much of the team that there's just no way you can get anybody else sick. You know, I think, for example, in our league, I think we're I think on both sides of the coin, we're through the buck. 
And the next, what are we, the days of third? So the next 14, 15, 16 days are going to be a dead sprint because our ADs decided we're going to finish the season and not do an all-commerce tournament. Um, you know, I just hope, and I and I felt bad. Obviously, last year with VCU, Mike Rhodes, great guy, Coleridgean guy, Lebanon Valley guy, pull for his team. And it was, you knew someone was going to get dinged. And I hated it for BVCU. I hate for it to happen in the Division Three tournament. We haven't had a tournament in two years. I really hope that it does not happen. Yeah, I, I that, being, that, that being said, I think a majority of our teams are through the buck. And I just hope that we can get over the and everybody like you know. Listen, you got to stay in your. It's hard to stay in the bubble because Omicron. Like, look, I have a KN95 mask. I can't find these. I go to Target. I go to Walgreens. I can't find these. Like, you now you got to wear a KN95 mask. Like, okay. Like, I just want to get through it. I really do, because I've lived it the last two years, and it's, you know, enough's enough. No, I, again, I think teams have, it's run its course to some degree, and thus teams are in the 90-day window, or they don't, they couldn't get sick at this point. Um, I'm glad that the main campuses have come back, the main student bodies, and we haven't seen more breakouts. Um, I'm glad to see that. So I think things could look good. Who knows? I mean, Omicron, I mean, we were feeling good in November and Omicron literally said, hold my beer and ran rough well, shot through everybody for the next two months. The other thing we're not taking into account is those campuses which impose on themselves a stricter standard than what the NCAA is putting out. Because that's really, I don't, I think by the NCAA protocols, we're in pretty good shape. I don't think you're going to totally- see too many people losing, but there are still schools that are testing a lot more often and requiring a lot more that you may see some internal uh, cancellation of something. Um, and you know, I, I not true that that's really where I think it comes down to is which schools are following just the NCAA and which ones have local or, or campus wide issues that they're doing. I've had on top a couple of long conversations with people who, who have said, listen, what others don't get about complaining, whether they're complaining about not being able to attend a game, whether they're complaining about testing and whatnot is that individual schools have a lot on their plate in terms of risk. They got lawsuits that they're worried about. It, you know, God forbid, I'll, I'll paraphrase this from somebody I heard recently who said it. Listen, you've got a medical team that you assigned to you, you know, is, a, is an institution. You've got one of your local hospital groups is, is your medical team. And they come out and say, here's how you should do things. You also have the CDC and the NCAA. You turn around and say, nah, we're not going to worry about those recommendations. We're not we're not going to do any of that. And then something happens. You're getting litigated. If they come out and do more than what they're being told, they're they're protected. And yes, that's where a lot of these decisions have come from, rightly or wrongly. I, I am not defending anyone because I am not in that boat. That is not my person. My, I, I can't appreciate it. I'm not there. But I understand what they're dealing with. And to your point, they're very easy. If, God forbid, another you know, variant comes out that's, that's dangerous in the next month and a president says, you're not leaving my campus, hey, yeah. what are we going to do? I mean, it's going to also come down to the committee's dealing with hosting too and what, what i was going to say ryan it, what it, schools okay. are are willing to do and allow and and what those policies are because that's also going to affect who can come to campus 
right? There's going to be schools we expect to host who will not be hosting because they've got campus regulations that are going to prevent. That's a great point. Yeah. And the committee kind of hinted at that. The the chairs hinted at that. I mean, it's, it's, you're going to have to deal with that from a conference level. So, so two things I'll say, number one, if you're a basketball, you love college basketball, you're going to love this postseason in the conference because there are some conferences that are going to have the best tournaments ever. I think our tournament, while we're not going all comer, it's going to be interesting because I can't figure out my team. Now, that being said, I have we just we just lifted our spectator ban on Tuesday. I know we took some heat for that, but that was because four of our four of our ten core institutions at the time had said no fans, and we said okay. In order to protect the our one of our main goal in my in our office. Marie and I, we are to protect the student athletes. That is our number one goal to make sure that, hey, we want you to compete. We want you to compete safely. And we felt that, okay, you know, the, the president's okayed it, that we just got said no fans for a month. Yeah, we got some complaints, but everybody has live video. Everybody has live stats. Okay. And yeah, is it, is it a dull atmosphere to go and play in front of nobody? Yeah, it is. However, we lifted our ban, but we said, okay, we're going to put it back on the institutions. And I have one institution that right now is not going to permit outside spectators. That is their right to do that. Now, as they come closer to Creeper to the tournament, we're going to have to have some conversations with that school, with the athletic directors. What are we going to do if said school hosts our conference championship and says no fans or says our students only because they're in the testing cadence? That is on the mind of every every school right now, every conference office, what we're going to do. I do not, this is the world of lags, do not want to take away a game from a school because they can't host spectators. I'm not going to do that. But we need to be fair and equitable to everybody else because it is our game. It's a championship game. And we'll go and we'll decide that we'll get to that road again. You know, I, I had this discussion with somebody, Montgomery County here, Pennsylvania, our, our infection rate is 8%. Two years ago? That would have been ghastly. Now you're you're cheering, you're standing and cheering. It's at eight percent. It's not twenty three. It's at eight. Like it's we know more about this disease. We know about vaccinations. We know about masking, social distancing. You know we're in a better situation. So yeah, it's on every every person's mind. And Ryan's right, and you're right, Dave. When we get to the postseason, okay. So let's say we have let's say my on my qualifier. I'm just going to say is is Karen. Okay, Karen's my my qualifier, or it's Wilson. Okay, it's Wilson. We'll say the Centennial with Swarthmore or Johns Hopkins. Let's say from the Mac Freedom, it's Kings. And let's say from the Mac Commonwealth, it's it's um, Stevenson. I'm just pulling names out I had here. Okay, you have four teams in one state. You have four teams basically in, in one state. Okay, maybe they're going to have to go to New York where things are a little bit different. You know, one of our schools say, we, we're not going to New York. Because of the or New York saying no, you can't come here. We had that issue. We may have had that issue, and that's what men's volleyball. We have Pratt Institute in for men's volleyball as an associate member. As you know, Pratt's in the city of New York, and the city of New York has a very strict vaccination mandate. There could have been a possibility with some of my student athletes who are not vaccinated could not come into Pratt's campus because of the vaccination policy. So now we're going to have to start doing that. I mean, it's going to be a lot of puzzle pieces, but again. People say it's coming up close, like the tournament's coming up in one, two, three, four weeks. Like it, it could drastically change in four weeks. Like, yeah, I just read somewhere one of the New Jersey state cities just is lifting their, I think it was Asbury Park, is lifting an indoor mask mandate as of tomorrow. Like as things start to, to lax, get more and more lax, we may see it be easier, or we may just say, hey, we can only send X amount of teams like we did in the spring. Like another example, softball. 
Cedar Crest, one of my qualifier, went to Texas. They went to Texas Lutheran. Like, when does that even happen in, in, in years past? And now, can they put the genie back in the bottle? Again, like, tech, like if Cedar Crest wins softball again, they're probably going to go to Rowan. They're not going to go back to Texas Lutheran. But at that time, Texas Lutheran was willing to host. So yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot of moving pieces. And, and we don't even have the spring guidance yet from the NCAA about spring yet. We're following last year's spring guidance, which, again, is totally different than what it is now. We're telling our student athletes that when you're on the sidelines, you don't have to be masked when you're in uniform. When you're not in uniform, you do have to be masked, even though it's outdoors, even though you're fully vaccinated, just in that whole testing cadence. That's it's a lot. It really is. But the bottom line is, you know, for the last month, I felt like we launched the space shuttle every time we got our games away. Get our, our, I would look and see, make sure our games were going. I mean, I drove one time to 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 um, Karen to do a um, a day game. They had a day game with uh, I want to say Moravian or somebody. I lost two games in forty minutes driving from my house to the, the Langhorn. Lost two games in forty minutes, and I'm like, we're never going to get through it. But we're getting there slowly but surely. Um, part of your part of your thing, and I may have missed it. I apologize. If what about an institution that's allowing their student body to be on campus or at games, but not anybody off campus? Would you allow that circumstance for your conference games as they're being yours? That's why I ask. For right now, we 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 are following institutional autonomy. Okay. Our ADs will probably have a discussion about that as we closer to the tournament, and then it goes to a presidential level. Uh, you know, like the one campus, like you have to wear you have to wear a can or an N95 mask on campus. Like that's the only masks that are allowed. And, you know, there are a couple of campuses that are that way, but like, I'll say, for example, last night, I like to do examples. I did a blends wide match to St. Elizabeth, St. Elizabeth and Drew played. They're on the scene. They're on Madison Avenue. It's the battle of Madison Avenue. It was the first sporting event that St. Elizabeth had allowed fans basically since Omicron came around. Hmm. Everybody followed the rules. St. Elizabeth took vaccination cards. We had about, I don't know if you've ever been to St. Elizabeth, they have two gyms. They have their main gym and then they have their auxiliary gym. It used to be their pool, but now they did a nice job with it. So we played in the auxiliary gym. Everybody wore their masks. There was no issues. The Drew fans came, the, the students came, St. Elizabeth kids stayed on one side. I mean, it was great. That's one of the things that we're going to say is like, look, if they come, if we know student, ath- student athletes or students, they show your vaccination card, okay, go in. But if you're not vaccinated, you may have a tough time getting in. Same way in the city of Philadelphia. If I want to go to watch a Flyers game because I want to torture myself because they're awful. Now they've won two straight, so we're we're slowly starting to turn things around here. Come to I, show, you, sir. I have to show my my vaccination card again in the Wells Fargo Center. I had to do that when I went to Daryl Kanicki's birthday party in Boston at the TD Garden in November. When I go to Penn, I have to do the same thing. Like there may be a little bit of a challenge, but that's why we open discussion and our and our eighties are great. They, they, they sit down, they think about things and make a decision. And we want to create a good championship experience for our student athletes. And I think that as we get closer to that, as long as the rates are still going down, especially, you know, I have two schools in Montgomery County, I have Rosemont and Burnathan. You know, I've got a school in Baltimore. I've got two schools up in Scranton. I've got one in North Jersey. That school still open uh, in Baltimore? It is still open in Baltimore, yes. Baltimore County. I don't know what the Baltimore County vaccination rate is. I mean, that's the vaccine, but the infection Baltimore rate. Baltimore City, sir. I think city, I think city's going down. What they're in the city. That's right. They are in the city. Yeah. I think it's going down. Um, but again, once those numbers start to go down, 
that's when you'll see the, the, the laxing of, okay, we're allowing people back on campus and things starting to get to normal. So. Yeah, no, I, I think it'll be an interesting to follow. Most importantly, by the way, we're playing games. We are playing games. We are playing games. I mean, a year ago, things were done. I mean, we're going to see some games, but the vast majority of Division Three was shut down and weren't going to play. So um, we'll get through it. We'll figure it out. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I do know from the Falls Championships – what what will be a talking point? I know we're gonna have to deal with it. Is let's say a team pulls out, mm-hmm. you know they're in the tournament, they pull out, but they pull out at a point where you can't replace them, which actually I think might be once the brackets are released, right, Wags? I, I don't. Twenty th- it's twenty four hours after the brackets release because when I do my automatic qualifier form, okay. I have a replacement school that came up in the in this in the um, the spring last year. I filled out the form, and then it said replacement team on my choir, which is our runner-up. And I basically tell our runner-up, stay in your testing cadence just in case. We tell our runner-up. What about an at-large pick? What do you mean? So if an at-large pick is the one that has to back out? Uh, that I do not know how that works. I would, I, would assume, I would assume somebody comes off the board that may have been told no. Um, but I'm not sure exactly how that, I wasn't on the men's, I wasn't on the women's volleyball call this year, but I, I don't, I, from one, from the automatic qualifier standpoint, it's just our runner up. Right. Yeah. If I realize that. And if our runner up can't go, then we just don't send anybody. Yeah. Yeah. You, at some point you got to cut, cut bait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think that might be the one to watch is how many teams in that, you know, get a walkover for per se. I know it happened in the fall. Um, that's outdoor sports. We're talking about indoor sports, et cetera. So uh, I, I'll be fascinated to see how that plays out, and maybe it's not a factor. Maybe we get lucky, and it's not even a factor, which well, which I'll take any day of the week and twice on Sunday if we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody got a topic you want to throw out there and, and and throw? By the way, Wags, you're looking rather dapper. Thank you. I got to pop out for a few minutes, but I'll come back. Okay, and join if we're still here, sir, uh, we'll see how it plays out. I want to see what Wags throws at me. I, 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 you know, the topic in hand, we and talked obviously step off of, you know, your spaces, our spaces conversation that we had a couple weeks ago in Indy. And now going forward now with basketball, now that we are down to six as an automatic qualifier, um, you know, I think this is going to, you know, I see a lot of conversations, especially in football, that we're not going to get the best 32 teams in the tournament. We're not going to get the 64 for basketball. Since yeah. when are we te- the best? That's never been a thing. Exactly. If, if people got to realize it, it will never that you will never get any any division one, division two, II, division three. You'll never get the optimum tournament. Hey, and that's okay. One would argue professional sports. You don't get it don't, either. No, they don't get it either. No, but it's all about experience for the student athletes. Right. That's what it's about. My conference provides access to the NCAA tournament for student athletes. You know, we 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 in the fall we had. Brent Athens women's soccer who never made it, they went. Um, you know, we've had some teams, Cedar Crest volleyball, they never made it, they went. You know, it's a good experience for them. Um, you're going to see some growing pains. You're going to see some interesting things, but I think it will fine tune itself. It really will. Um, as far as the Constitution goes, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting. We're, we're going to still work on that. Um, the thing that that bothered me the most out of everything at the convention was the transgender policy change. Now we I'm don't, gonna freely we, admit it's yes. over my head. 
I, I, I haven't had the capacity to fully understand what's going on there. And it's not out of ignorance. It's out of, I've only got so much. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a good one to, can, can you give everybody an understanding of what changed? Why the pushback? So basically, we have had a transgender policy since I believe 2018. That's fair. That sounds about that, right. That's that's it's it's a fair policy. Our policy to CSEC mirrored the old NCAA policy, um, which was you know it, it's a certain if you if you go from male to female, there's a test, testosterone standpoint. Another way, there's different different. I don't I don't want to get too technical, but there's different levels and different things you have to follow. Basically, this came out in almost the middle of the night when we were all in Indy. It changed, basically be changed, of, if you're not following the situation, the situation at the University of Pennsylvania. They have a female swimmer who used to be a man. I who's breaking hear the about record. it often, yes. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's, it's causing, like, look, she is, following the, she is following the NCAA policy to the letter. So what the NCAA did, and again, I'm not bad-mouthing the, the, the national office. They are wonderful people. They're wonderful people. But it seemed like they were punting the situation back to the governing bodies of the sports like for like example now oh, swimming that's right. they, follow, they follow usa swimming they follow the olympic policy which is a totally different animal now they just came out with something else they haven't had time to chew on it yet it just came out the other day it's a whole checklist so but this was the, the fact that this was done kind of in the middle of the night and we talked about it at the end of our business session on Saturday. I don't know how much longer you stayed on after the voting, but it was talked about. And there were a couple of conference commissioners that were Yeah, I upset. forgot that there's a open session. So I, had, an open I, session I stopped the- listening and then re- realized I was screwed later. But one of those things that, that we talk about with our convention is we can make our own rules. Right. So Which we, we talked we about Louise with earlier. Yeah, Louise. Louise is fantastic. You know, I mean, she stepped right in for Dan Dutcher. Louise has done a bang up job. She's great. The whole Division Three staff is awesome. I've actually met some of the Division One staff in the same way. Division Two staff too. This situation will get resolved eventually, and it just that the way it was kind of forced down our throat a little bit. We were kind of upset, but you know the convention was great. We got to see. I got to see a lot of people I hadn't seen in two years. You know, I think the the seven to six, yeah, in the sport conferences now being six, there's going to be some changes, but it's going to be a little again, rough in some areas. We can be a little, little rough in some areas. Okay. But for a conference like mine, who lives lives on that edge of seven, yep. now to go to six, I have breathing room. I don't have to search like, okay, if I lose a school, what am I going to do? I have two years to figure it out. But, you know, I there's did, a lot of change coming. There is a lot of change coming. I think it's going to be for the good. Louise said something today, and it didn't dawn on me today. But I do find it interesting. So the AQ got moved to six. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Single sport conference can form at six and have the AQ. Okay. Yes. But to form a, a full membership conference, you got to be at seven. Wait, what? Yes, <laughs> that one seemed to slip past me and maybe some others. Because this, because they're all grandfather. Because it's, uh, I don't know. I, I know. mean, it's, it just kind of, it kind of made it's, me smirk. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just form, you know, this, a single sport conference ten times over. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. No one would do that. Um, no, I think, listen, the transgender thing is confusing to me, and it's only confusing to me because I can't appreciate the technicalities of it. it. It's not that I can't appreciate the situation. I, I'm, I am 
fully aware that there are individuals out there who don't feel comfortable in their skin for lack of a better description. And that's in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so yep. I am not going to sit here and, and decree in any way, shape or form what's right or wrong for that individual. I know it gets complicated. I hear from several people who only hear the one side of it that, you know, at the pen example you're giving, you know, that athletes are ticked off and they're talking behind the scenes. And I, I don't know how much that's accurate. Um, and I can appreciate that it's a complicated matter for some people, but what I, what I also appreciate is I'm not in those shoes. I'm Mm -hmm. not in that person's skin and Mm -hmm. I can't appreciate the choice that they're making to do that. Mm -hmm. How that fits with athletics is way above my capabilities. And so on a topic like that, I know that if I'm going to dive in, I got to dive in hard. And if I do, I got to be ready for some real um, in-depth reading to understand the nuances of it. Um, what I gathered from what the NCA did is, and in, in he hinted at it, but correct me if I'm wrong. They basically said, listen, we've had this policy, but forget it. How about you as individual sports come up with your own policy uh, you as individual conferences come up with your own policy and, and good luck to you. Is that kind of what they did? Yes. And we have a policy that bears we, our policy mirror the old NCAA policy. What, what does that solve? Nothing. Nothing. Doesn't solve anything. So everybody adopts the old policy and we're right back to where we were. Exactly. What's the point? I don't know. And again, NCAA right now is knee deep in COVID still. We're still trying to figure out the spring COVID policy and everything else. So, you know, I trust the NCAA. I trust Dr. Hainline to do that. They'll do the, they'll figure, they will figure this out. You know, the, 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 the association can and will, and membership will say, no, this isn't right. And we need to fix it. And it will be fixed because I don't want to tell, I don't want to tell a student athlete that they cannot compete. Right. That said, is there a room? Is there room for individual sport nuance because of the type of sport and and what a bot? And this gets really into the science of of human bodies yes, in, in general. It does. It does. But is could you have a general policy and then go nuance to each individual sport because each individual sport needs its own maybe addendum. Does that make any sense? Or is that getting think, way more complicated than it needs to well, be? Well, you don't want to make it too complicated, no. but you can, you can do that. You can do that. Because I feel, again, it's the science of the human body, which I am certainly no expert and, and or couldn't appreciate at all. But I suspect that what a body needs or uses in swimming in terms of chemicals and, 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 and muscles and whatever is mm-hmm. maybe a wee bit different um, than soccer. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I bring that up as Ryan Scott joins us back again. Uh, Ryan, we're talking about the transgender changes that, that the NCAA decided to throw at back at everybody. Um, and I'm just trying to get a better appreciation without going too far into the weeds on it. Cause in basketball, we don't see it impact us too much though. It doesn't mean it won't. Um, and obviously it's a big brouhaha right now in swimming. And that's why I brought it up. 
uh, whether you could have a general policy and then nuance to each sport should that sport need a special nuance or addendum to it. I don't know, Ryan, if you've been following the transgender changes. Um, no well, pun intended. I really meant that seriously. The, the, the changes to policy for transgender. It's not just for mm-hmm. transgender athletes, though, either. I mean, you're seeing this in world sport right. with the track athletes. I mean, what did I, I read some report that they said if if the the IAAF policy continued, something like 10 out of the top 15 women's middle distance runners wouldn't qualify because they have naturally high testosterone levels because that's really helpful in middle distance running. And so that their body naturally... Right, right. It's not an issue of gender. It's an issue of biology. Mm -hmm. And I've always wondered, and this is way in the weeds, and I don't know that you get an organization like the NCAA to agree on it, but if we're recognizing that biologically, gender is is not bifurcated, right? It's not just male or female. There's other options. Why are we still dividing our sports that way? You know, something in an individual sport like swimming or track and field, you could have testosterone classes the way you have weight classes in wrestling. Right. Like we, we could have three different competitions at the Olympics for the hundred meter dash instead of two. And there's, there's no reason why we have to divide it the way we do. Right. We've divided it between men and women because we generally accepted that women were not as fast as men, but there's or no reason why you could they're a different gender. Right. Yeah. Right. We, there's, there's no reason why you couldn't just divide it by testosterone level and say, if you're in this box, you compete in this oh, race wow. if you're in this box, you compete in this one. I mean, I, Obviously, it's not like we're having solutions, but there's no reason why you can't, why you can't make those changes. Yeah, um, no, it's just it's a you it's just a have mind to get a giant flip. membership organization to agree <laughs> to wholesale changes to how things are organized, which is it's virtually impossible. Yeah, and I think that's why the NCA has gone back to this to just say, as so many NCA sports, the the ultimate goal is the Olympics, right? We think about it from it's a basketball true. or a football perspective where we're not looking at it that way. But for most of these sports, the goal is the Olympics. And they said, why don't we just follow the Olympic rules? Which, yes, it's passing the buck. It's the Olympic rules are not really any better than than anything else. But I, I mean, I, I think ultimately it's our societal conception of gender. We're really getting into controversial topics here on the Hoopsville. Yeah, I know. Sure took a turn. But like, ultimately, it's it's the question is how we how we talk about gender and Oh no! I mean, gets <laughs> back to our bigger, conversation. That's yeah. a bigger conversation than any of us is qualified to handle. Oh, but I, but so changing the subject. I'm okay, sure. Much, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm working the women's basketball championship with the with the president's athletic conference in Pittsburgh, and I'm very excited. I don't know if it'll still be there. I'm going to go to the the Pittsburgh has set up an observation deck, observation area. Well, you can go see the bridge collapse. You can go and watch them take the that bridge that collapsed in Pittsburgh, the one on Forbes Park. Yeah. They people go and now look. They just took the bus out. I don't know if you saw that. They lifted the bus high in the air and got yeah. the bus out. So you can go and watch them dismantle the bridge. I mean, I've heard of some <laughs> I've heard of some reasons to to set up tourist ideas, but that's a whole new one. I guess it's a yeah. good thing no one died there. That's true. And the city of Pittsburgh is also, in addition to hosting the women's basketball championship that weekend, we'll be hosting the first and second rounds of the men's tournament at PP&G Paints Arena. So it'll be a basketball weekend. If you'd like your basketball, come to Pittsburgh. They'll put on a show for you. There's a uh, public address announcer who died of COVID in the yes, last Donald. year. Yes, It was Donald, based yes. out of Pittsburgh. It's, uh, it's unfortunate all those events will be there because I know he would have been 
Oh, I know. Mm -hmm. Well, and we should we should mention while you're talking about it that the women's final four got bumped back. Shoot, I forgot to ask Megan about that. And so anyone who's driving from the East Coast towards Fort Wayne can do a stop off and and watch the Thursday night semis in in Pittsburgh. I meant to ask Megan about that. I totally forgot about it. We'll obviously talk to her next time we have her on the show. But that's fascinating. That's on CBS Sportsnet, CBS Sports Network, correct? Is that broadcasting Saturday's finals on CBS? Sports? Right, and that's probably the well Saturdays, Saturdays, Saturdays. Yes, Saturday's championship is on CBS Sportsnet, I believe. That doesn't add up. Hmm? If they're playing the, the semis Saturday? on Thursday, they're doing Thursday Friday for the oh, women. Thursday Friday. Oh, they're doing Thursday Friday. I thought they were doing Thursday Saturday. My no, point. they're doing Thursday Friday for the women. They had a Sunday conflict with the building. And so they needed the Saturday to transition, I believe is what I heard. Okay. okay. I thought maybe it had to do with CBS because we should point out, and I keep forgetting no, to bring this it was up. A, it, was a venue, it was a venue issue is why they moved it back. Got it. Uh, Wags just said it. The championship will be on CBS Sportsnet. That is a, um, something that got put into place for this season. Uh, back to the equ- equality question, but and we, we've talked about it before on, on this show. It's more about the fact that Division Three has been wanting to do this anyway. Now, Division Three is paying for it. People don't understand how much that happens in in television. Um, but interest, I forgot about the Thursday. I got to remember to talk to Megan Wilson about that uh, when we get her on next time. By the way, I thought the conversation with them was terrific. Uh, great to have them on. So- Phil Nagley says, great happy hour discussion right now with Wags and Ryan. One of the best happy hour, one of the best marathon Happy Hoopsville ha- Marathon Happy Hour discussions. Oh, well, thanks, Phil. I think you've lost. While your we're mind. talking about venues and timing, I'll ask you who has a lot more experience with the television part of this. Um, say, just for example, Yeshiva makes the NCAA men's basketball championship game. That would be normally scheduled for not after yeah, the Sabbath that's, is over. That, that's problematic. Would they, would the, I mean, that's obviously a TV discussion, right? Like, are they going to want to play a super late Saturday game or would they even push it to Sunday? Um, that's a great question. I, I would I would say... Because normally on Turner determines net, times, right? Huh? No- normally the TV partner determines what time those games get played, yes? To some degree, Yes. There is an element of we've got no choice because of we've you know we've got a we got a team who's not going to play then. I mean, there's an element there that does get played out, right? And they're not going to accept like a 10 a.m. championship or something like that. But so so who being that the NCAA, they wouldn't they no. wouldn't they would probably put up some some no they're not going to be thrilled at a 10 a.m. wanted game. to do it in the morning yeah i would CBS. say that's better chance of getting it pushed to sunday because cbs sportsnet probably has more flexibility on sunday than they are going to have on saturday night um with ongoing ncaa men's basketball sunday yeah, men's- i don't hmm? i don't know what cbs sportsnet programs during the tournament so i know saturday night they would do a recap i right, guess they that's would do what, I, what I, they're not they're not airing the game. They're not airing any games on on net, but they're going to have programming that may be important. Now that said, they also may have programming that has nothing to do with the tournament and is just filler programming that they're right. more than willing to bounce around with. I'd have to go and check that out. I've got a couple contacts with CBS. That's a question worth asking. I'll go check with them. 
Obviously, I don't think the chance I don't think they pro- get there. I don't um, think they program live on. They don't program like a like a like you know what the NFL Network just goes to like a graphic and the scores. I don't think CBS Sportsnet does that during the tournament. But then I, after the first set of games are over, I think they do a, a recap show where they have like Wally they do Zerbiak do a recap show, there. right? Yeah, and they may be okay dumping that to put mm-hmm. on D three Men's Championship. The and, question uh, actually just, is not related to basketball. If they've got another sporting event that they've got carved out for that Saturday night, that's live. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, then they're they're in a deeper problem, and they're not going to necessarily move things around. I've worked with CBS Sportsnet from a production perspective, where I'm the guy sitting in the chair talking with them while we're on the air with our show, and mm-hmm. so I know what they can sometimes do and not do, and what you're sometimes buttoned up against pre-programmed or re-airing stuff. That's the question is what is the programming they originally have for that Saturday night? And is it something that they're okay punting with, or is it something they can't move? And in that case, the conversation becomes much more complicated. I just, uh, I just looked it up that, that it would, uh, sundown on that day in Fort Wayne is seven fifty-two PM. So they probably couldn't play before 10 that yeah. night. If um, that was to happen, maybe nine. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what time do they play in Hopkins? They played it. They played it like nine, I think, a little after nine. From my memory, they were suited up, got on the bus, headed to the game, warmed up, and played. Yeah, it was um, it was tight, and now I don't it's know a that championship. You might not want to do the same. Right. I was gonna say, I'm not sure they're gonna make it quite that tight. Yeah. If it's your championship. Right, let me throw you another curveball. You ready? Let's say it's Yeshiva. Okay. And they're playing a team that can't play on a Sunday. And then we, then we have a problem. Or do we say that by 10 or 10.30 Eastern time, CBS Sportsnet doesn't care and they just play it? But. No, that's certainly possible. And by the way, there, there could be an all-star game there. I, I'm not saying there is because I've not talked to the NABC. I don't know how much COVID's playing a role here and whether they can pull off an all-star game. But if there is an all-star game, do you move that with the game? Like, do you keep it tied together? Or CBS put that not- on. Or no, no, no. Turner puts that on. Webstream, NCAA puts that on. Or if if Yeshiva's not there, do you do you move the All Star game so those guys can play at it? <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Yeshiva's start time for the for the Penn State Harrisburg game was eight forty five. Yeah, but okay. that yeah. Ryan, I didn't even consider the fact. Oh, son <laughs> of a gun! Well, we'll just solve this. Yeah, no. I somebody had asked me earlier in the the year what the NCA would do in that situation. And I thought I would just throw it out since we're. No, it's a great question. I'll, I'll make some calls to my CBS contacts. I've got both on air and off air contacts that I can ask that question. One of them, funny side note. So getting ready for world team tennis, not this year, but the, the pandemic, the 2020 version. Um, I got on a conference call so that we were in, Greenbrier in West Virginia in early July, something like that, if memory serves. So we probably got on that call in late June, mid-June. And there were some CBS guys on there. I was just kind of on the call, uh, not really knowing what my role was yet nor appreciating what I was going to be doing. And he, I get an email about a day or two later. Hey, are you the Dave McHugh of Hoopsville, D3 Hoops, et cetera? I'm like, 
Yeah, how does a CBS Sportsnet guy know that? Like, what? You're an executive producer for CBS Sports. Why in the world? Huh? He had been the guy who had produced the championship. And so he knew all about our work because that's all he had been paying attention to leading up. Well, honestly, ahead of the 2020 championship, he had already been pouring over our work. And the 2019 championship, he had spent weeks pouring over all all of our work. And so he ended up being on the other end of the phone during my work for World Team Tennis. So I got a few contacts. I'll reach out. That's a great question. And and to be honest with you, what about the All-Star game? Like, does this mean the Yeshiva guys won't be able to participate in it? And and it legitimately might be because they may not be able to move that game. Yep. Um, oh, okay. Uh, Luke says uh, Wags gave a 180. <laughs> I don't know. Luke's just messing around with you. Um, anything else, guys? Because my voice is starting to wear out. We're about 30 minutes past where I thought I'd sign off. Um, didn't know if there's any other topics out there. I'm checking my email. One person emailed me saying, um, for the men's top 25 double take, you include men who are on top 25 voters on your discussion panel. Therefore, I don't see why you can't include women top 25 voters on your discussion for the women's top 25. Well, for starters, all the women that I know of that are on the top 25 um, crew that, that vote on the top 25 are all coaches. And you will notice on my top 25 panel on the men's side, I don't have one current coach because a, I'm not outing them. B they're not outing mm-hmm. themselves and C I'm not putting them in that position. And so until we can find the reason I want a woman on the panel is because I want their perspective, but I'm not going to go call a coach who's a top 25 voter and tell him, by the way, we're going to out you as a top 25 voter. Um, they're also busy with other things. Um, I should, I didn't even in the email response back to the person. I didn't even mention they also have, you know, possibly rack responsibilities. So joining me in the middle of the, they got better things to do. Um, Wags, Ryan, anything else you guys want to bring up before we get going? No, it's been a very long day with conference calls and all. Oh, I'm sure, sir. You're already doing wa- women's lacrosse calls. You know you're women in and men's lacrosse calls tonight. Plus oh. all academic. Plus I was at St. Elizabeth last night and got lost getting out of Morristown, New Jersey, and got home at 1 a.m. So I'm gonna go to bed. Well, I appreciate you jumping on. Um, by Thanks the way, I'll be PA announcing gymnastics tomorrow. Really, a thousand? A thousand. It's, it's a great sport. Barring weather. Yeah, the only trick is uh, the meet starts at 6. I start okay. talking at 4. What do you start talking at 4 for? Apparently, there's a lot to do in pregame. Warm up. No, oh. I just, are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, 15 minutes begins now. Done. Take your word but for also, it. I have... when you get, but when you get up in the morning, turn on WM, WMAR Channel 2 because my friend Liz Drobik is doing traffic. Those and I are friends. We oh. met on Twitter. Those and I are friends. She has the same last name as Justin Drobik, who is the te- who's the traffic reporter on KYW 1039 here in the city. It's not 1060. It's 1039 now. But they're not related, apparently. But Liz and I have become friends. And Liz nice. is now on she's on WMAR, which is working for me, which I appreciate that. Um, that's their slogan, right? You I do know where my former employer is, right? Yes, it's WMAR. It's too. WMAR. I still because call him ABC too. Because we used to, we, I used to, when my, my, my in-laws moved to um, Ocean Pines, I would text you all the time complaining about WBAL. Oh, that's their, right. Their, I, no, Brian, I swear to God, on this TV station, the, the, the NBC affiliate, 
This is how they do their, they just hold their iPads yeah, they and they do. read the newscast off their iPads. Like if they didn't have iPads, they couldn't have a newscast. No, they got a prompter still. They're lying to you. They got prompters. Sam Donaldson didn't need a prompter. Hey, Wags, good to have you, bud. Thanks for your input and your insight. Ryan, good to have you too, sir. Thank you for the time, and we'll look forward to catching up with you guys down the road. You got it. See you. Take care, guys. Uh, That's going to wrap it up for the marathon, folks. We are going to sign it off because I am exhausted. That was a long end, a little bit longer than I anticipated. The wife wins. I told her I'd be off the air by 9. She laughed at me and said, no, you'll go longer. I told her, no, I won't. Uh, She was right. Uh, If you're listening to the podcast, you're going to have to – Deal with a delay. We're not going to get that turned around tonight, um, but say la vie. Um, I saw an update that um, Gabriel Leifer is four points away from 1,500 career points. Pretty darn impressive, uh, if I do say so myself. Uh, we'll see how if he gets there tonight. They are up 83-39 with like six minutes left to go. Um in that one, I, I meant to check. I, I, I was going to check other scores, but I'm just not going to. I'm too exhausted, uh, honestly, to do that. Um, but I appreciate you all tuning into the marathon. I, we have a litany of guests. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do it justice, especially the sports information directors who did some heavy lifting for us. But I want to thank Connor Delaney from Johns Hopkins for coming on. Gina DeRubbo, who literally came on at the last minute, folks. I want to thank uh, Gina for coming on. Frank Marcinic from Susquehanna. Dan Krikorian from Chapman and Slapping Glass Podcast. I want to thank Larry Anderson, Cam uh, Jason Danner. I think I said it right, Coach. Uh, if I didn't, hit me later. Uh, Jason Har- from uh, LaRoche, by the way. Jason Harris from UMass Boston and Gary Stewart from Stevenson for coming on and being part of our minority Coaches panel, but also uh, Gary for giving us an update on things in the NABC. Uh, Mike Shower and Megan Wilson from Wheaton and Luther, respectively, the National Committee Chairs. Thanks for them coming on. Dan Kenny from John Jay. Fascinating chat with him. I uh, really appreciated his time. Cameron Hill from Trinity, Texas. Stephen Gable from Nazareth. A uh, big thank you to Luis McCleary and uh, Jim Haney for coming on. Luis to talk about the state of Division Three essentially, and Jim Haney to talk about officiating in Division Three. Great conversations with them. Had an awesome conversation with Fred Rogan uh, out in from L.A. Please, if you missed that one, go back and listen. It was a fun chat. And, of course, Gordon Mann, Scott Peterson, um, Dave Hickson. Big thank you to him. Also, big thank you uh, to, uh, well, Ryan Scott and uh, Wags, Jim Wagner. Uh, Jim Wagner. (laughs) No one calls him Jim. James Wagner for coming on the show. Uh, Thanks to the family for uh, dealing without Daddy today. Uh, Though I did order dinner. I did did order dinner today for the family. Uh, They got got some good food. Um, But uh, thanks to my wife and my kids and our puppy Tucker, who, trust me, the two times I came upstairs, he's like, where the heck have you been? Uh, apparently little side story. So we have air vents in the ceiling here and they're in the floor on the first floor. Tucker apparently has been hearing me through the vents and is, and thinks I'm in the vents. He's a, he's a smart little puppy, but he hasn't quite figured out the house yet. Cause he's been down there. You've heard him in this studio when I've been doing the show and he, and he's, and he's lived down there. So he, he, he understands the layout. He just hasn't quite figured it out yet. Um, but thanks all them for their support and letting me do this show. I want to thank all of you for tuning in, including Jay, who apparently listened to the whole darn show today. And he has done it before, he says, for the 12-hour marathon a few years ago. Uh, he said, great job as always. Let's nail down the whip around. I forgot to ask Ryan about that. Hey, listen, I, we redid this, this computer 
shortly after the pandemic broke out so that we could possibly do the whip around. I'll make you this promise to anybody out there who's still listening and is curious about the whip around. First off, I don't envision myself traveling the opening weekend only because we're still unsure about COVID, but there's other considerations. My point is I wouldn't be surprised if I stay home for the opening weekend. As long as I don't have something else that needs my time, uh, Navy, Towson, or somebody else has a sporting event that absolutely needs me. Um, I think doing whip around would be fun. We re augmented the studio a bit to create more space. If Ryan and Gordon or others want to come and join us, I welcome them. I actually have an idea for the selection show that's a little more daring. Don't know if it could happen in studio, but it would. It could. Anyway, my point is, if we can pull off the whip around and we can do the whip around, I absolutely agree. It would be fun to do, and we will try and make it happen. Just understand there's other circumstances like where I need to be for my paying jobs uh, and and how I need to do those jobs. Luckily, Major League Baseball will not have started that weekend, even, even if there wasn't a strike. It's I don't work that weekend for Major League Baseball, so we're available. But um, we'll work on it. It is on the radar. I assure you I've already gotten some bits and pieces and looked at some different elements to see if we can use them in the whip around as well. And that could be fun if we can possibly pull it off. Uh, again, thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Uh, again, we'll be on the air Monday at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. Again, I've got a commitment uh, that evening. So we'll be on the air for our normal show Monday. Next Thursday's show will be pre-taped. We'll put that together on Tuesday and finish it up on Wednesday and get it out the door. I'm not sure we'll be able to react to the women's regional rankings. We'll do our best, but we'll we'll probably react to the men's or we'll just, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do the regional rankings when i got to tape a show ahead of Thursday, because I will be out of town speaking of Major League Baseball. I need to be somewhere else on Thursday, on that weekend. Then we'll be back on the air at this time, Valentine's Day, the 14th. We should be on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time. That is the plan at this point in time. Um, and then we should be normal. Um, a reminder, we'll have our selection Sunday special. We usually start that around 6 p.m. on Sunday, the 27th. We'll then do our normal show. We debate whether we do a show on Monday. This In this case, We'll do a normal show at this point on Monday the the uh, 28th, uh, barring a change in that and deciding we don't need to. But at this point, we probably would. There you go. Thank you to all the sports information directors who helped me put this show together. I uh, really do appreciate it. I want to thank everybody who else who tuned in. Hope you enjoyed it. If you listened to it live, if you listened to it recorded, whatever the case, thank you for the time. Uh, it means a lot to me. And with that, we're going to sign off. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the NABC studios, the NABC, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, works to further the best interests of the game of basketball and coaches and players who participate in the sport. The NABC thanks its nearly 5,000 member coaches, including the many Division Three coaches who impact our game, for upholding the core values of leadership, advocacy, service, education, and inclusion. For more information on the NABC, head to NABC. Com. Also, thanks to our partner at Blue Frame Technology for hosting the hotline and hosting the show uh, and their Team One Sports app. Really appreciate their hard work and getting us to do this show. We really, I can't tell you how much we appreciate that. Uh, and we also thank our the support we get from the Women's Basketball Coaches Association as well. And with that, we wrap it up. We will be back on the air Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And this show is a wrap at 9 hours 35 plus 
minutes. Thanks for tuning into the annual Hoopsville Marathon. It's meant a lot to me that you took the time to do so, and we hope you enjoy the last month of the regular season as much as we certainly will as well. To all of those who thanked me for the work we d- I do, I thank you for that, but I also want to thank Pat Coleman, Gordon Mann, Ryan Scott, and many others behind the scenes who uh, work on the websites and keep them up and running. Don't forget, Patreon is a way that you can give back to the websites. This is just for the websites of the D3 Sports World. If you want more information on the Patreon effort, you can go onto our websites for that information. Uh, and again, thank you to all you who tuned in. And with that, good night. See you back here on Monday. Enjoy the weekend of basketball, everybody.